Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the history of Germany's heirlooms with Judith Strosenberg and Travis Stau. I'm Judith and we're taking a break from our usual programming to give you a different slice of German culture and history. When you think about German authority, there's a story that exemplifies that German cultural trait better than any other. Every yeah. German's probably heard of it growing up in school or throughout their throughout their lives it's been dramatized it's been in movies theaters and you know satirized and that's the captain of Köpenick Hauptmann von Köpenick is kind of like in English you might say it's a catch 22 uh that's the really the that's the best analogy it's a vicious cycle it's a kafkaesque cycle of of inescapable bureaucracy which is also a german trait that you know will come across now and then but the captain of Köpenick is definitely a famous story to keep it short a work permit to get a visa but you need a visa to get a work permit breakthrough of all that with a bit of authority don a pickelhaube that spike on top of a prussian helmet bark the right comments and get your way which someone actually did in a town hall of a suburb of Berlin just to get a passport. Mm, hold on. This is a great story. It's really one of our favorites. What is so often dramatized in German theater and even television and the big screen is based on a true story. One of my favorites, actually, because it's a true story. His name is uh, Friedrich Wilhelm Voigt who was an unemployed shoemaker. And not only that, but he was from Bohemia and in, you know, moving to Prussia. Um, and so if I rem I'm going off of memory a little bit, so forgive me if it's not 100% accurate, but basically he did not have a permit to be, you know, in, in near Berlin and Köpenick. And to have a work permit, he needed a, uh, like a visa, like a Aufenthaltsgenehmigung. So he needed a job to get a visa But he couldn't get a job without a job permit, meaning he couldn't get <laughs> a visa. So he couldn't, you know. He so had no green card for Berlin. Yeah, no green card, basically. And you need a you need a job to get a green card. You can't get a job without a work permit. You can't get a green card without a work per, uh, without having a job, and so on and so forth. So um, he ended up. Now here's here's the vicious part of that cycle, because. You also need, for any of those things, you need an ID. He didn't even have an ID, and it costs money to get a passport, of course. And, of course, how do you get money without any of the above, without even a job? So, um, that you know, that's another problem. And now, to make matters even worse, to make Kafka proud, is uh, you get locked up. It's illegal 
to be a vagrant, to not have a job. So you can get you can get arrested for loitering or for, um, you know, for being a vagrant, for not having a job. So Voigt actually gets arrested. He ends up in a Prussian jail. He gets barked at. He gets yelled at a lot in German. And they're told to, you know, kind of like soldiers, you know, stand in a row and, you know, face right and blah, 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 and do all these things. In any case, this is a experience for Voigt. He um, gets out of jail. And I love, okay, I don't want to rush through the story too, fa- too fast because uh, there's a theater play that I've read, which is based off of Voigt's autobiography. So it's based off of true events where um, he gets his hands on an officer's uniform. And it's a cool story. Like he walks into a tailor and he sees the uniform. And, you know, so he, he, so he walks into the tailor and says, oh, I'm picking up the uniform for so-and-so with, with some authority. So, you know, with some authority, you walk into a tailor and say, that's my uniform. Thank you very much. Send me the bill. Then you walk out. You put on the uniform. And then you walk to the first patrol that you see. So imagine like a, a platoon of five soldiers or ten soldiers. And you say, right fall in line, you know, follow me. And, you know, a platoon leader might ask for orders or might say, oh, wait a minute, you know, who's your commanding officer? But not in German, not in Prussia, <laughs> not if you're wearing no. a pickelhaube and a commanding. So a, if um, uh, in German, this is common knowledge. But if you were an officer in the 19th century, this is a 19th century story or turn of the century story. Um uh, if you were an officer, that meant you were probably almost definitely you were definitely nobility. So you don't say no to nobility. You just don't do it. So if there's a captain walking around, he's not just captain. He's so and so fun something like he's a nobleman and you can get in serious legal trouble. So you don't ask for <laughs> proof. You just say, Jawohl, and Jawohl, Herr Hauptmann, or whatever, and you just fall in line, and you just follow orders. So in any case, our, our Hauptmann, uh, he's, you know, now he has 10 <laughs> direct reports. You know, he has 10, off, uh, 10 uniforms under him, and they go to the town hall of Krepenik, and really just for a passport, they command the person to, they rob some money um, in real life. And, and he said, you know, in his biography, he says, this is just the money to pay for the passport and whatever. Now, the thing is, yes, eventually he gets, gets arrested. But this whole story makes the Kaiser laugh. The Kaiser himself reads this in the newspaper and cracks up and kind of turns him into a national hero like Jesse James or like a Robin Hood figure and (laughs) pardons him from jail, gives him a passport and gives him a work permit. And it all turns out nice and dandy. That story is to emphasize one thing. What this episode is about is not about the Hauptmann von Köpernick. It's about what? Yeah, the joke here is that Prussians are suckers for a bit of authority and a good order. (laughs) Nothing shouts authority like a big fat spike on your head. And therefore, the history of the Pickelhaube. Yeah, Just just to make sure everyone's super clear, Pickelhaube... You know, the, you know, World War One German officers, uh, even the Kaiser, Kaiser Wilhelm II, you know, with that big cavalry hat with the big spike on it. That spike has a name and it's a funny name. It's called Pickelhaube. That is what it's called. Um, 
I I think most listeners in English didn't know that that actually had a name. And when they found out that it's like when I didn't know that until I was pretty old, uh, I don't know, until I was like in college because it was in GTA, Grand Theft Auto, you could get a Pickelhaube uh, helmet. And I was like, Pickelhaube? That's really, that sounds German. That's really what it's called? And then I Googled it and sure enough, oh my God, that's hilarious. Pickelhaube. Oh, what? you mean uh, pickles like uh, yeah. a gherkins and... Exactly. It's a gherkin. Exactly. It's a gherkin hat. hat. It's a gherkin hat. That's why it's... Oh, that's why the word is just so much it's funnier in English. find it funny. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Anyways, it's not just Germans. Not only yeah. German. From the second half of the 19th century onwards, the armies of a number of nations beside Russia um, wa- adopted the Pickelhaube. Colombia, Chile, Ecuador, Mexico, Portugal, Norway, Sweden, and even Venezuela all had pickelhaubes mm-hmm. or uh, something very similar. That, it was kind of interesting. So I did, I was curious about where did that come from? And um, okay, because the idea of having, it's a, it's a cavalry helmet, really. So the idea of the cavalry having very tall headgear, like uh, something on your helmet, that's ancient, like literally ancient. Imagine like a Roman uh, a Roman uh, centurion, you know, with the red broom, whatever. Sorry, I know it has a technical yeah. name, but but that's something, you know, it's very proud or like feathers on your hat. And the modern, like the 19th century Pickelhaube could have come from the Napoleonic uh, cuirassiers. Um, they had like these fancy cavalry helmets, but... <laughs> There was others before, uh, you know, eh, it's hard. You know, there was fancy helmets some, sometimes in the Middle Ages, kind of. But I think the modern, the Pickelhaube from like World War One, from the Austro-Hungarian army and the Prussian uh, uh, Empire is definitely, I think, probably Napoleonic would, would be from everything I've read. Incidentally, the helmet of the British Bobbies is a modification on the original higher version of the spiked helmet. An English police model also has a tip with a ball. In the parade uniform of the British Guard Cavalry, the tip is replaced by a horsehair bush. Yeah, that, that's the other thing you see is like some sort of hair thing. or, But it's the same idea. It's that something on top of the helmet that makes yes. it really hard to get into cars, but is great for horse, for <laughs> you know being on a horseback. Yep. On October 23rd in 1842, the Pickelhaube was officially introduced in the Prussian army by King Frederick Wilhelm IV. At first, uh, he got the cavalry as well as the infantry, the hunters, the gunners and the artillery. This step was preceded by extensive material and battle tests. I'm just imagining like Mythbusters testing Pickelhaube helmets. Like, <laughs> you should suggest this to like, them. Yep, that one. Oh, nope, I the love horse these smashed guys. It. Yeah. From Prussia, uh, the Pickelhaube started their triumphal procession. In the 1850s, uh, she was also the police helmet, first in Berlin, at the latest with the founding of the Reich outside of Prussia, and even in Bavaria, 
where the police wore it until 1936 as the spiked helmet itself again completely off the fashion had come. Yeah, then it was suddenly considered old old fashioned and well, yeah. you know, 1936 that's the the Nazis came and the Nazis had their own style, which was very modern. Um now the the Pickelhaube had is kind of this so it's a symbol. It really is a if you think about Germany, it's you know, the, the if you think about that helmet, you instantly think like, oh, the bad guys in World War One, or, you know, maybe I don't know if that's what Germans think. But um, it did have this propaganda of being it's the symbol of law and order itself. It's the embodiment of law and order. It's this, um, you know, the symbol of like loyalty to Germans. It, it could represent like loyalty and bravery of, you know, the, the German, ar- the Prussian, let's say the really the Prussian army now. There was also <laughs> the enemies of the Prussians didn't take that idea like that. But if you imagine, for instance, this was first picked up of, an, of a like anti-Prussian propaganda um, idea or symbol in the revolutions from 1848 uh, and 1849. There you see like the Prussian uh, soldiers depicted as being like tyrannical kind of oppressors of, you know, merciless oppressors of the people and, and of the, the this freedom movement that happened all over Europe in 1848. Um, so there you see the Pickelhaube is like, ah, it, de- it definitely means it's a sign of the nobility. It's a sign of, uh, you know, the imperial um, might. But in the 19th century, there was more and more, you know, there's a, uh, we did an episode on the, well, we talked about the, the war against Denmark. I did an episode on the Dana Verka. So 1864, 1866 uh, was the Austro-Prussian War, which Pete and I actually went to reenactments of. Um, 1870 and 71 was the the war, the, the Prussia, uh, Franco-Prussian War. Um, and all of those battles, the, the Pickelhaube made an entrance. And so um, and they were f- successful. So the Pickelhaube kind of, you know, got this reputation along with the Prussian army of, you know, being this unbeatable force, this scary thing, this intimidating thing. If a soldier is coming at you with a Pickelhaube on horseback, that's something like that's something to fear. Uh, they're going to win, statistically speaking. <laughs> um, you know, uh, the, the, the Prussians at that time was like, oh, wow, um, they were just you know, under that's, that's the time of Bismarck and God, I've done, I've talked so much about this Bismarck on guest shows and that's Zach Twomley when diplomacy fails, uh, for instance. Um, but there is, so the, the thing is that it, it definitely makes an appearance for, Oh, 50, 60 years. And not just in Prussia, but you mentioned Bavaria. So because of that, it, there's more and more helmets that have Pickelhaube. So like in Prussia, you would have the, the traditional one with the Reichsadler, the imperial eagle. In Saxony, you would have like a star um, with the coat of arms. In Baden, which is like Swabia, like south um, southwestern Germany, it was actually pretty cool. Like on their Pickelhaube helmets, they had griffins, which is like, that's Greif in German, a word that you had just taught me. And then uh, 1886, Bavaria joined the fray, like you mentioned, but also they had, so they had, they would have two lions with their, uh, the Bavarian coat of arms, which is very, very, very Bavarian. Of course, Bavarian. the famous yeah. lions, uh, we talked about them in 
the Siegestor episode. It's the same. Yep, exactly. Yep. Mm. Um, Now, also, you might have seen this in Russian troops. Like you mentioned, you mentioned Austria, of course, uh, Romania, Sweden, Norway. So there's there's other. You even I mean, yeah, like you said, like Chile. And there's like for brief times, even in the military, fashions come and go and people emulate other countries. And um so of course, uh, when the, if you're emulating a country that's always winning battles, that's the very disciplined uh, German or Prussian military, and the Prussian military has Pickelhaube. So the Peruvians or Bolivians go, you know, we want that too. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So it was. We never had it. I mean, we United States. I don't think there's any U.S. officers running around in Pickelhaubes. Another place you would see Pickelhauben were also on display uh, was at the annual Battle of Sedan uh, celebrations as well as the public appearance uh, by Kaiser Wilhelm I and his Chancellor Otto from Bismarck, you mentioned him, as well as uh, countless uh, portraits. By wearing the simple Pickelhaube, the impression of simplicity, moral strictness and professionalism should be uh, conveyed and also abroad were identified with the Pickelhaube increasingly national characteristics. You know, I bet I bet in the the German the German version of, of this show is gonna be so much more precise when you say uh, the Pickelhaube stands for Einfachkeit Sitten strenge professionalität that because that's really <laughs> you must say it like a true Prussian when you say, maybe that's Bavarian, I don't know, but <laughs> Pickelhaube, seriously, it's the symbol of like this, of, of, of like militarism, you know, like uh, anti-German propaganda in World War One, but also World War Two would have the Pickelhaube because it's just such a symbol of like, yes. that's what that's the German, the, what won wars under Bismarck was then like, okay, it's discipline, it's, you know, uh, uh, loyalty and, you know, not unquestioning. Awesome. Yeah, unquestioning braver, <laughs> bravery and who? Yeah, I mean, yeah. sure. <laughs> I mean, it was really grotesque uh, in some ways. There was a postcard from 1905, which uh, shows the Pickelhaube with the text, Hail the day you appeared to us. Is mm-hmm. this crazy? I, I know that many listeners probably have listened to Dan Carlin's. He, Dan, Dan Carlin did a great miniseries on World War One. My my my, I think what he did fantastically was giving the German mindset at the beginning of the war, going into the war. Everyone's just like, everyone's remembering uh, 1870, and everyone's just like, yay, we're at war with France again, and just marching off with you know the women uh, putting flowers in the in their guns as they march to uh, Verdun or you know some or Belgium or whatever, and then die by the hundreds of thousands. Um, it's, it is grotesque. It's, uh, we will also talk about the, like the Hessian military, uh, uh, the, 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 the mercenaries, like that was a part of their like social tradition, like part of their culture was to create this militarism. Um, oh yeah, that's, that will be a theme on the history of Germany for sure. But, uh, yeah, 1905, like hail the day you appeared to us, to the Pickelhaube is very it's crazy that's very yeah some symptom what do you call it symptomatic of uh the the times in germany yes 
Yeah. Of course it is, yes. Yeah, well, I think one can say, due to the elaborate uh, military parade, uh, the spiked helmet, the uniform and the goose step uh, were, to a certain extent, the founding myth of the collective memory. Yeah, the idea of being... Well, yeah, because especially the 19th century, there, there was... Yeah, I mean, God, we could do a whole episode about that one sentence. <laughs> Damn it. Um, but in the 19th century, Germany was late to the party of nationalism. Um, not nationalism, but being unified. You know, the Prussians came in like 1870. England was unified like 1066. France was unified, you know, for a thousand, well, a couple hundred years. Yeah, the, the Germans were kind of late to that idea of there's one German people. It's really like, no, you're Swabian, I'm Bavarian, they're, you know, they're Prussian, they're um, Saxon, whatever. Um, this this collective memory of we all went through this together. Because it was never one nation before. It was not like in France or like in England or even in the United States. It was uh, a conglomerate of uh, mm -hmm. hundred separate uh, territories states this like is the, this uh, is the beginning i mean yes but yeah but it was the prussians that said okay we're all going to have the same currency we're all going to have the same unit unit of measurement like germany was very late to oh let's all have the same you know i i, I meta or whatever they took the metric system that was all like uh the very Best the, idea the, they ever had. Yeah. The, the other one, like I tried to imagine in the Holy Roman Empire, like, or even like the year 1800, I tried to imagine traveling through Germany, like what, you know, going through all these different borders of all the different fiefdoms, like the different yes. Kurfürstentuma and all that. Like, yeah. So that's why I say it's kind of like a Prussian idea because the Prussian, the Prussians forced everybody to finally do everything the Prussian way. Uh, kind of. I mean, the Bavarians are still very Bavarian and, and Swabians are very Swabian, but yeah. And they also went back and looked at their own history and said, oh, remember the time when we all fought together in this battle or that battle? And it was that whole rewriting history as, yeah, the German people. The Pickelhaube itself, it, it's, th that's why we, it's a great topic for an heirloom um, because it just, it just emphasizes in one military or one Prussian or one German identity, let's say, let's say German identity in the, the, the defensive, like the National Guard had a Pickelhaube, even the National Reserves had a Pickelhaube, the um, cadet, like educational system had, you know, if you go to the military academies, they, that's where you got your first Pickelhaube, you're like, oh, yay. Um, even so in Prussian times, I've mentioned this now and then, but in Prussian times, the schools were very militaristic. And actually, <laughs> Germans do not realize how much discipline, how much more discipline is commanded of you in your schools than is commanded of us in, in, in America, for instance. Um, and that comes from this time, this old fashioned, like, oh really? my goodness, uh, you're the, the way that, um, in German schools, cause the listeners might not know like what I'm talking about, but in German schools, you better raise your finger very in a certain way. And not just like yes. in America, you can sloppily raise your hand, just kind of like, nah, it's like 90 degrees, like, nah. And, but really 
in America, normally you kind of you kind of raise your hand or you go, hey, Mike, 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 I got a question. I got a question. And then they're like, hold on one second. But it's always an interruption. And then the mm-hmm. teacher kind of dealing with the interruption and then answering the question. In Germany, my Bavarian teacher in fifth grade would have thrown a wet sponge at your face <laughs> if you interrupted <laughs> him in class. Like Bavarian schools were like very strict. You raise your finger. One person speaks at it. One student uh, student speaks at a time when called upon, not before. Before you hear, ja, Travis, ja, Travis, bitte, you shut your mouth. You know, there's no, hey, mm-hmm. ma, Mike, uh, Mike, Mike, I got a question. Oh, yeah, snapping? Like in America, we snap in high school. Well, Mike, yeah, no, Mike, no, no. Mike. That, so I think Germans don't even realize, like, this came with, yes, here's your pickelhaube, and by the way, shut up. And, and in America, <laughs> like, we can, you know, because we all have ADD, we're all little, we're all hippies, we, we can walk, we can stand up and walk around. The first time I saw an American school kid do that, and he didn't, you know, instantly get yelled at, or like, sit down, and what are you doing, and her off to zappen, and blah, blah, blah. I was like, what the shit? Like, how come that kid is standing up and walking around? And because the kid had too much energy, he needed to walk around so he could pay attention, obviously. But in Germany, no. No. Sit down and put on your pickelhaube. So, (laughs) um, but not just that, but also if you were in the, if you were like in a veteran organization or if you used to be um in the military yeah like like veteran organizations but but kind of um like but if you were doing a civilian service as a vet you had a special pickelhaube for that so you would even see like 70 year old uh you know german men doing pickelhaube in some sort of uniform doing some civilian task um so it was really it wasn't a stereotype it was everywhere it from from my point is from student from school uh, to, you know, retired people doing, you know, handing mm-hmm. out coffee someplace or whatever. You know, they're all wearing Pickelhaube. And now, from everything we've explained, now our initial story makes sense. Friedrich Wilhelm Voigt can't get a passport, can't get a job, can't get a work permit, can't get a, uh, a visa, and, of course, he gets arrested for not having a job. Well, now you understand that just the idea that he could be an officer, there is no question. You follow orders of a captain, of an officer. And the joke about this whole episode, kind of, or the twist, haha, surprise, is that in his autobiography, Voigt says that he had a helmet, with he had the pickle helmet, but he left it at home and he said he on that actual day on that actual maneuver you didn't even uh you know he didn't even wear it because he would have had to wear it for like the whole standoff was 17 hours and he didn't want to wear the helmet for 17 hours and he didn't need it uh, uh just the the uniform itself was such a symbol of authority that he walked right in commandeered 10 soldiers and walked right into a, a town hall and stole money yeah so uh, voigt his choice is kind of interesting because why would he not wear the Pickelhaube if we just said it's such a symbol of authority? Well, because actually it kind of got put to rest. If you see videos of like Kaiser Wilhelm getting in his car, he has to take it off every time. All these officers, they walk up to a nice Mercedes Benz and then they all stop, take off their helmets and get in. It's not practical. And actually, for quite some time, it hadn't been practical. 
Now, there was a long tradition, you know, 60 years. So in already the early days, 1849, there was the first helmets that were painted brightly with, with colors and, um, you know, in interesting patterns, kind of. In the later days, uh, depending on who you ask, it could be either like 1892 or 1907. There's... Generally, you just kind of see the, um, it's kind of a velvet green or like fez, like a, what's it called? Yeah, sort of a velvet, velvety material, but it's like this green felt uh, material. That, that was the most common late in the last couple decades. You kind of, you can kind of imagine, yeah, or even kind of like a bicycle seat cover. It wasn't that practical in most situations. In everyday life, it kind of being a, it kind of was a hassle to, you know, not like not only in everyday life, but in 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 war, because um, yeah, the metal was uh, blinking in the sun, and uh, your enemy—it's big. It's a big target on your yeah, and it's heavy. It's now ironically. So he, the weird thing is, is that eventually Germans would be super famous for their Stahlhelm. Like even in English, we say instead of saying steel helmet, the the Wehrmacht Stahlhelm is a known thing because it was very well made. Uh, the Pickelhaube, not so much. In World War One, they realized really quickly, like 80% of head wounds uh, from grenades, the Pickelhaube did nothing, which is weird. It was still a helmet, but it's a cavalry helmet. If you fell off a horse, cool. Grenade, not so useful. Um, so now, 1916, with the First World War, that's the first time we, first of all, we see the M16 Stahlhelm, um, and it's kind of the beginning of the end for the Pickelhaube. After 1918, after the end of the First World War, the Pickelhaube became a symbol of the defunct empire and was worn by former military men to show their anti-democratic monarchist attitude. Uh, by way of example, uh, Reichspräsident Hindenburg, who performed a public appearance uh, again and again within military uniform and a shiny spiked helmet. And uh, there's a photo uh, of the day of Potsdam. It's uh, March 31 in 1933, in which Hitler, in a suit coat, uh, seems to respectfully shake hands with Hindenburg in his impressive uniform. Mm -hmm. It's a symbolic moment of the event, uh, which was uh, carefully staged by Goebbels, which uh, shows the connection between different anti-democratic tendencies that had taken place before. Monarchists and national socialists are not in conflict with each other, but together, uh, therefore, the national elevation of the Third Reich. It's also kind of like I always thought that picture, it's a very famous picture, video, yes. whatever. I always thought that was kind of like the passing, the changing of the guards. You see the last generation. Hindenburg is super famous, uh, mm. obviously. But but then you also, so then you see him in his Pickelhaube, like shaking hands with Adolf Hitler, who's wearing the new snazzy uh, German uniform, which is it's just like ugh, it makes you it just ugh, it's disgusting um it's like it's like it's okay <laughs> we're passing off to the third reich now and now the third reich is taking over control mm. it's just yep yep I've, many many people missed the weimar republic at that moment in 1933 that's for sure travis now promise me 
you will not make fun of this because as a German, I will be really offended if you laugh. Okay? Yeah. But please Google the sign language word for German. The sign? Oh, is it like a... Is it a pickle helmet? Wait, wait, wait. What? It... Uh huh. Uh, German. What else could it be? I better not. Oh my God! It's like the. Oh my God! Wait, is that it? Yes. An ASL. So it, American Sign Language is like the <laughs> loser symbol. It's like I guess it's a pickle helmet. He's like so. It's, okay. Oh my God! I I'm, I have to make that like the, the the episode title. That is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so your index finger, your pointer finger is just like on your yes. forehead pointing up. So that's a pickle helmet. But he kind of has his thumb out like it's the L. Like you're calling somebody a loser. Like, oh, my God, you guys are all pickle helmet losers. Is that? Oh, wait, you said don't laugh. You will be offended. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, my God. Is that oh. really the word for German? How is it? Yes, yeah, it's... it's like. In ASL, it's that. It's the pickle helmet. I don't have any words for this. No, what is it in all. German? Uh, what sign language of Deutsch? Uh, Zeichensprache. Zeichensprache, that's right. Okay. Gebär Gebärdensprache. Zeichensprache, also. Wort für... Oh, okay, <laughs> let me explain that. So so in, Ger in German sign language, the word that used to mean Schutzmann, which is a... Uh, like, yeah, it's just a police officer... Um, that word now, that was Pickelhalbe. That was just a finger on the top of your head pointing straight up, which is not at all funny at all. But now that just means German, like just the German over there. And you just kind of like make a Pickelhalbe sign. Oh, my God. That is my favorite fact. That is the fact of the day. That's the fact of the podcast right there. I know what German is in Pickelhalbe. What is it for American? I better not. I better not ask. That's probably bad. Oh. It's probably like eating. A, it's like eating a hot dog. If anybody out there listening is in Germany near near Essen, which is, you know, where everything is, that's where like all Germans live near Essen, there's PodCamp, March 2018, 11th, 12th, is that right? No, 10th, 11th. 10th and 11th, don't be a day late. 10th and 11th, and Judith's going to be there. So I know yeah. a bunch of people will be there, so I don't know if, if there's like Germans listening to the English version or if you just happen to be hanging out in Germany because Germany is a cool place, you can go to PodCamp and meet Judith yes. and, other, and other chill people. March, that's like two months away. Get your tickets now. Go. And you can, you can if you, yeah, you can get more information at podcamp.de. And thus marks our 50th episode of the history of Germany. And it is kind of, it has been an amazing journey out of uh, the half dozen or so podcasts that, uh, you know, I've done from like Secret Cabinet to History of Alchemy and Bohemian and and his, uh, Africa history and uh, all the shows. This is by far the biggest. And the German version of this is my second biggest. So this is by far my biggest show. And now, of course, the smallest uh, of my podcasts is the Arabic version translated uh, by Imad, who's in Cairo and a Syrian refugee himself. And he's I mean, he pitched me the idea of like, how about I translate your show for refugees in Germany, which is, you know, so they, so they kind of figure out where they are, <clears throat> which I thought was brilliant and really, really cool. So I would love to support him. 
Which brings me to, I also owe a big shout out and thanks to our sponsors. And we have several sponsors that are managed through Acast, our hoster, and our hoster kind of pays us in a way uh, for, for hosting us, which is fantastic. But our latest sponsor was Studio, And if you are looking for headphones, they sent us a pair and they're sending us money every time someone buys any headphones from Studio. It's like Studio of Sweden. And I mean, they're great. I can vouch for them. They're the best headphones I've ever had, which... I, Honestly, that's not saying much, but uh, they are really, really good. And uh, I've had all my podcaster colleagues that do know what they're talking about confirm. Um, both, both the Bluetooth ones are great Bluetooth headphones, but they're also just the qu the quality is, it really is there. But the cool thing is you can get a discount now if you go to Studio of Sweden, if you mention the code word alchemy, which is our code word, because we do history of alchemy. So Al alchemy will get you a discount. Just go take just take a look. Uh, if you're in the market for headphones, we appreciate it because they're helping us out and that's awesome. And if you don't like ads, we do apologize, but it is a free show. And at this point, uh, I just finished Americana for euch, which is a hundred episodes that's only in German about the US. And that puts our total of podcasts somewhere in the 250, 300 range of episodes, um, which yeah, if, you, if that surprises you, please go have a look at podcastnick.com so you can take a look at our other shows. To all the people out there that have been giving us reviews on iTunes, again, we have the most reviews on iTunes for this show because it's the biggest show. And thank you, thank you, thank you for that because that really makes a difference because that in turn puts us in the charts, which means it's not just word of mouth. People that you know just open up iTunes might be able to see us in new and noteworthy or in, if they're looking at history. Um, so that really helps those that five star ratings and especially a review just kind of bumps us up in the charts. And even if you don't use iTunes, I mean, you know, even if you use some other podcatcher, chances are it does go through iTunes. Like 80 percent of all of our traffic goes through iTunes, even if you use Windows, even if you use an Android. Uh, chances are we are an Agora podcast network. Check out Steve Guerra's Beyond the Big Screen. You know him from this show, from the history of the papacy. But he has a new project out that I wanted to mention, which is Beyond the Big Screen about film cinema. Um, I've I've been on it. A lot of us, a lot of us have, like a lot of the the usual suspects have. So if you want to hear some history t podcasters uh, talk about other things, really, a lot of movies have history in it. But I think, yeah, Steve's Steve's he's been planning this for a long time. It's a passion of his, and it shows. It's a great show, and you can hang out with us. There's a new Facebook group for the Agora listeners group, which you don't have to be a fan of just the network. If you just like history podcasts or podcasts in general, come hang out. There's several if you want to meet, you know, history podcasters and hang out with history podcasters. That's the Agora listeners Facebook group. We're also a Dark Myths member. And I mentioned that because we were recently, I was recently on the Astonishing Legends for History of Alchemy, which is really the Dark Myths member podcast. If you've never taken a look at darkmyths.org, it's not just history podcasts. It's podcasts that are, most of them are way, way bigger than us, than Pete and I. Um, really popular, myths and legends, um, history, alternate history, just good, good storytelling. Uh, I believe there's even some some current events and and gaming and movies and TV and, and all that's there too. Besides that, you know, I did realize I, I crunched some numbers and I'll, I don't really like to mention this a lot, but it is the 50th episode. So please humor me. I mean, the show's over. If you want to skip to the next episode, feel free. But uh, our download numbers are thus that if, if you know, all of our advertising, it's kind of annoying that all of our advertising and all of our sponsors, as, as grateful as we are, it all adds up to about $30 a month. 
which is, you know, a couple of beers. And it's not nothing. This this show actually makes revenue now and probably even in some ways a profit, uh, depending on how you calculate it, which, no, it doesn't. This show definitely loses money because uh, I just yeah, I pay a lot of stuff out of pocket. However, I work in Silicon Valley, and if only 10% of you gave me a dollar a month, gave us a dollar a month on Patreon or PayPal, not even per show, but just a month, uh, on Patreon, just 10% of you, that would match my Silicon Valley salary, and I could do this full-time, which means, you know, books out every month, daily show, whatever you want. I mean, if I can do this with a full-time job, imagine what we could do as a team uh, if just one of us was doing this full-time. Not if it, Even if it's not me, if it was like uh, you did or Pete, um, we could really, I would love to show Imad some more support, or our fantastic editor, Andrew, and he's going through college. We're trying to put our boy through college here, people. Come on, um, but no, I got to I got to mention that on the on the fiftieth episode or now and then that you know if like one or two of you gave us five dollars a month, uh, we'd you know have our our wildest dreams met basically. Like not even our goals, just our wildest dreams would come true. Literally, if you just you know pitched a buck or two on Patreon, um, and to make that a little bit more enticing. Go take a look, even if you don't want to spend any money, just to go look at our, our stickers and t-shirts because we have an amazing graphic designer and I have some more designs that I just need to you know find the time to make stickers out of um, and t-shirts, but but more and more are coming weekly, monthly, I don't know, but, but all the time. And so there's stickers out there for History of Alchemy and, and Homunculus and Bohemican and Golems and Secret Cabinet like Emperor Norton and Americana for Oi, where you can see me and Lederhosen. Um... And yeah, t-shirts accordingly and, and other ones. There's, there, there'll be some, there's some German ones out that I have to just upload basically. And if you support us on Patreon, we'll send you that stuff too. You can buy them directly. You can, you know, we try to write books. If I had more time to write books, that's, we, I have like six books almost written. But uh, yeah, anyways, um, so if, you know, we, we really could use the support if you'd like to support us. I retired the German show, one German show, just to... Uh, give this show more time and effort and hopefully get some of those books written. Five of those six books are about German history, like the the books that are, you know, to give you more detail on if you're interested of this or that era. Um, we're trying to put that information together and all the information we've gathered from listener feedback and just, you know, after it was too late, so to speak, um, corrections and all of this. We just want to kind of put that out in book format. If I ever just had a month off or could could do it, Anyways, also don't forget to, you know, hang out with us. We're on Twitter daily, all the time, constantly on my phone. I'm at PodcastNick. Udit is at meet underscore Udit. If you want to get a little bit more of that German culture in your life. And both of us have access to the at Germany podcast Twitter feed. So if you want to shout out to both of us, just at Germany podcast. And we're there. We're we're hanging out on Twitter right now as this is happening. I I'm I can I can literally see TweetDeck. Anyways, there's much more to come this year. Thanks to Judith, this show very well might be uh, every other week for a while, and we have the next several episodes written and ready to go. Just a matter of recording and editing. And thank you for all of those who have supported us because we have had a ton of support. And Pete and I are about to release our five-year, Udit will be there too, but our five-year anniversary show. That's right. Actually, yesterday, as of the day I'm recording this, yesterday was our five-year anniversary for podcasting. Pete and I, we started with History of Alchemy and Bohemian 
uh, podcasts. And so we, you know, a lot has happened since then, and we've already exceeded all of our expectations, and you know, we're published authors and all that good stuff. Um, but uh, it's just the tip of the iceberg of what we have planned now, because we've just had five years of more and more ideas. 50 episodes kind of blows my mind. It's twice the work since I've had to translate every single one and uh, do the same thing in German and beg for money in German too. But uh, thank you so much and vielen Dank fürs Zuhören und bis zum nächsten Mal. Bis zum nächsten Mal und eine gute Zeit euch. That's for all the people trying to learn German. I think they can get that. A lot of people on the show are trying to, trying to learn German. Yeah, I read it uh, in, in the Twitter comments. I really liked it. So You guys you're... could send us more comments. Guten Tag, liebe Frau. Es hat mich sehr gefreut. Tschüss. Ein Lied geht um die Welt. Das kommt dann immer. Das kommt. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.